Welcome into Smooth Operators with your hosts, Noah, Griggs, and Ben, going through the world of Formula One. If you want to interact with the show today, you can tweet at us at Noah underscore Phillips, at Junior underscore McClurkin, and at the Griggs B. It's time for the green flag, and it's lights out, and away we go. And welcome into the Bradley Basin studio inside the Melton Student Center. It is time for the one and only F1 show here on WEGMI 1.1 FM, otherwise known as Smooth Operators, or as Davis called it just a little while ago, Tire Fire. Is that in relation to the Village Golf Cart Fire? I have no idea. He just <laughs> called it. He said, I was trying to think of the name of y'all's show the other day, and the only thing that could come out of my mouth was Tire Fire. Well, good. Welcome to be back, everybody. It is, once again, Griggs Blankenberg, No Phillips. Ben cannot be with us today. He's on a field trip to Atlanta. But we are joined in studio by two members of the jungle with me, Margo and Jordan, both first-time guests, first-time Weagle guests here. How are you guys doing today? Nervous. Nervous? I think I've never been more nervous for anything in my life. Well, don't have to be nervous at all. This is a very laid-back show. Just, yeah, we have, we've had a lot of good moments on here where it's just... I mean, I incorrectly said somebody had passed live on air that is not has not passed yet thank goodness but was definitely the highlight of my wrong journalism career where I got that wrong so no need to worry but let's go ahead and get right into the action let's start off with our Jetta recap or the STC Saudi Arabian Grand Prix which happened last Sunday March the 19th where we saw Sergio Perez take home first place in the race, followed by his teammate Max Verstappen in P2, Fernando Alonso finishing on the podium in P3, after a little bit of a debacle between him and George Russell, where George Russell was awarded the podium after the race, and then around six hours later, it was reverted back to Fernando, earning himself his 100th podium in his Formula One career. Yeah, and I don't really get how Fernando Alonso was off like in the, was he just like too far left, too far right in the starting grid? That's how he originally got the penalty. But what happened was after the fact, where they applied a penalty to him for incorrectly serving the um, the penalty stop, where the back jack of the car I think was touching the car before the five seconds was up, and so it was not a correct serve penalty. So they added ten seconds at the end of the race, and then it was awarded back to him because F one Twitter hates me. <laughs> But yeah. last uh, car show that we did last Friday, I predicted that George Russell would be third, and the FIA decided to correctly uh, assign a 10-second penalty so that I could be right with George Russell taking home third place. But eventually, uh, F1 Twitter does not like me, I guess, so they had to reverse the decision to make those fans happy with their viewing experience of the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. You're telling me that Mercedes and the FIA don't work well together, Noah? No, they don't. <laughs> Neither do I, apparently. I guess I'm, me and Mercedes have that in common. But, yes, also finishing in the points, we had George Russell in P4, Lewis Hamilton P5, Carlos Sainz P6, Charles Leclerc P7, uh, Esteban Alcon in P8, Pierre Gasly P9, and Kevin, Mag- Ma- Kevin Magnussen rounding out the points for Haas in P10. It is, again, the second race in a row where Alvatari and uh, McLaren have not earned any points, but reg- besides Oscar Piastri making it into P- uh, to Q3 on Saturday. Yeah, and I'm very surprised he was actually able to get into Q3. Exactly. I mean, that's a slow, very slow car. We're going to get more in-depth with that coming up in the third uh, segment of the show. 
If you're interested in figuring out what the segments are going to be beforehand, you can follow us on Twitter at SMOP Podcast if you ever so feel like it. But I think the main story in this one, besides just the dominance of the Red Bull, was just the way how easy it was for Max Verstappen to get from P15 to P2. I mean, he was at, I think Fernando Alonso correctly predicted it too. He said Max will be in second by lap 25, and it was on the dot, correct, where he was just breezing past these cars, where it wasn't as fast as he was doing it back. I can't remember where it was. I think it might have been um, Imola, where he went from P10 to P1. But the way he was just able to pass the Mercedes on the um, on the first straight after the finish line was just unbelievable. Lewis Hamilton called it the quickest car he's ever seen. Yeah, I mean, that, that car is just so quick. And with a circuit like Jetta, where your driver also has to be extremely versed with the car, it's, it's just such domination from the Max Verstappen car and uh, the rest of the Red Bull team. Uh, I know later we're going to be getting to the drama that that kind of circulated in with Max Verstappen kind of being a little bit mad. We'll go into more detail about it here in a little bit. But just a dominating day for the car named after any drink. <laughs> but then you have to just realize also, like, Aston Martin with uh, Lance Stroll going out with a technical problem where they could have easily gotten fourth place with Fernando in third and just start building that lead up more and more for that second spot in the Constructors, where a spot coming in, looking at it from last year, they finished seventh in the Constructors, and now Fernando Alonso is in uh, third place in the entire uh, driver's standings. Yeah, and I mean, if you're Sebastian Vettel, you got to be kicking yourself right now. Retired one year before this, uh, Aston Martin poaching a lot of engineers and Finally, getting that fast car that Daddy Bucks wants. And so, did they ever say what Lance Stroll technical technical difficulty was? I don't remember. I, that? It just looked like he got breezed past. I think it was something wrong with the engine because he just kind of just like slowly pulled off to the track. They still had a safety car for it. He lost power. I believe that's what it was because the, the car just on his uh, back cam just showed the car just passed by him smoothly as he goes into the runoff area. Who was the one that was – it was the braking issue because there was the engine and then there was the, the – someone had a braking issue. I think that was Alexander Albon. I'm pretty sure that was Albon because he had – I think he was the one where he, like, passed the pits, but he still kept going. And they're like, all the announcers were like, what is he doing right now? Why is he just keep going? But, yeah, that was Albon. Um, and then just some other stuff that throws in there. Um, just the fact that uh, Leclerc with the problem again with his uh, – uh, race engineer where he's talking about he let up such a big gap when Hamilton was pitting where it allowed Hamilton to come back in and they tell him that too lately so just more problems at Ferrari no as our resident Ferrari fan how does something like that just, it's got to be infuriating especially with him and a car that's definitely much better than seventh pain suffering all the bad things that could happen to me keep on happening with my fandom of Ferrari, man. I don't know what to do anymore. I just don't. It's like the New England Patriots. We dominated forever, but now we just can't win. Mac Jones is not the answer, and these strategists are not the answer either. I'm upset. I'm sad, Griggs. I mean, we've talked I'm, about like I'm upset. There's not really much more they can really truly do if it just comes down to the mental kind of aspect. Of, I mean... Leclerc's engine problem last week was not a like a mechanical problem for like 
the strategy problem. It's just when it comes down to like the little things, you just have to be able to get it right. Kind of like where in Monaco last year, they double stop without telling, without knowing it and telling Leclerc. Um, just little tiny things where they pit um, Carlos in the Silverstone and keep Charles out, and he just gets passed by everyone. Just those little things like that just can kind of build up on each other, which then makes like an insurmountable lead, kind of like what Max said last year. And it feels like when you're at the upper echelon of motorsports that that shouldn't happen. I mean, if you're racing an ARCA or F3 Junior or whatever you want to call it, the lesser series, stuff like that will happen. You know, you got guys learning. But at the upper echelon of motorsports, probably the single hardest and single uh, most renowned form of motorsports in the world, the one that pays the most, the one that gets the most sponsors, the one that has sponsors that I can't even name half the time, those in this grand of mo- in this brand of motorsports, mistakes like that should not happen. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's just not really much more, like, I'd imagine, like, after all this stuff, like, why has Charles not changed his race engineer yet? Because he's the same guy last year who told him to come in and then told him to stay out in Monaco. It's just all these little things with just his person really in specifically. It's like, I mean, they brought in a whole new team principal. It's not really, like, it's not the highest up thing now. It's just the individual person in that regard. Yeah, it's just so hard for them to find what they should do with their problems. I think anybody that has an eyeball can see the problems with the team. It's just figuring out a way to solve it, which is very hard to do. Other teams are literally just, like, saying what they should do, and Ferrari can't even figure it out themselves, which is kind of funny that everybody knows. Even people not in the industry know. But, like, they just, for some reason, it's going in one and out the other. I mean, yeah, we. I mean, we saw it on Drive Survive this last season, where like I think it was Christian Horner and Max literally laughing at Ferrari for a bad decision they made. Like, they're like, "What in the world were they doing with this? Why would they?" Yeah, and then Christian was also like Silverstone, like I was just talking about, where he's like, "What in the world are they doing?" They're. It's still the point where Charles and Max are really close in the driver's standings. They're like, "Why are they not helping them?" It kind of goes back to the Ferrari mindset where they don't have a number one driver, which can kind of come back to hurt them in scenarios like that. Where if that was for Red Bull, they'd most likely favor Max in that regard. Yeah, well, poor Sergio, but oh well. But he won one. He won a race. A, a total of five. Are, haven't they all been on street circuits as well? Because I remember somebody in the F1 media called him the street circuit king. He won. Well, he won last year in Monaco. He won this year in Jeddah. He won one more last year. It was. Was it Baku? Did he win Baku? I don't think so. I remember he took his first pole at Jeddah last year too. He didn't win Jeddah though. I can't remember which exactly once it was, but I'm pretty sure it's m- mostly all been street circuits. I think he won in, and he won in the um, the former Racing Point, and I can't remember what year that was. I think it was 2019, before he left for Red Bull. But nonetheless, he's he had a great race. I mean, he finished five seconds ahead of Max Verstappen, which finishing 20 seconds above the uh, the third place car again, just showing really how quick that Red Bull is, which. We're going to talk about in the next segment. When we come back from break, we're going to talk about the Red Bull dynamic of both their drivers being at the top right now. What 
or can Christian Horner and them do? What decisions can they make for these drivers going forward? But don't go anywhere. You're listening to Smooth Operators on Weagle 91.1 FM. And welcome back into the Bradley Basin Studio. You're listening to Smooth Operators on WEGL 91.1 FM or on whatever podcast platform you use if you're listening to it after the show. But folks, we got to dive into what has become one of the more interesting stories with Red Bull's domination is they've got two cars mm-hmm. and only one car can be in victory lane at the end of a race. That is true, and what we're talking about is now the Red Bull, Max Verstappen and Sergio Perez. Both Max is now has a one-point lead over Sergio Perez off of him winning the race in Bahrain and then getting second place last week about the fastest lap. Sergio Perez has finished second place in Bahrain, first place at Jeddah. Max leads by one point off that fastest lap. But just reports coming out that just, listen, everyone knows it at, at Red Bull that Max is number one. That's what you get for being a two-time world champion. Most likely, everyone's saying you're going to win your third. But when he, just the way he kind of handles it sometimes, like you're looking at the same article I'm seeing, no, where Max is just, I, um, but personally, I'm not happy because I'm here and not here to be second, especially when you're working very hard also back at the factory to make sure that you arrive here in a good state and basically making sure that everything is spot on. So he's very upset with that because he knows he's the number one driver. But then again, like you started in 15th, they can't really just switch up your whole strategy just to benefit you in that regard, especially in the second race of the season. Plus, everybody knows you're going to win more races. You've got plenty of time to make that up. You're going to be a third-time world champion probably. Every single team on the grid is giving y'all praises. You know how this is going to end unless you do extraordinarily bad. All right, You don't have to go in the press and – it's a decent quote. It's just when he says, uh, because I'm not here to be second, but personally I'm not happy because I'm not here to be second. You you can't say that because the media will eat you up and make people think that you're not happy. You could also see, like, his dad in the photos mm-hmm, Yes. That. Like, it's kind of, I mean, you could see where he gets it from. He just straight up gets it from his dad and how his dad treated him whenever he would like accidentally crash or like come in second or third even coming from 15 you'd think that would be good enough but clearly it's not in his family i mean then you see the like kind of like pictures with sergio's dad congratulating max so happy yes where that just again shows kind of what you're saying it's not a good look with that were you gonna say something margo i was just thinking that's such a bad image for him like from a pr standpoint like for them to like, they just need to tell his dad, maybe, to shape up a little bit because it does reflect back on him and, like, his personal image as well. Yeah, it's still not the first time that, like, kind of Yoss has gone to bat for Max where it's, like, last year in, I believe it was um, Mexico. Or, no, it was one of the races last year, like, they should have favored – oh, no, it was Monaco, where he's, like, they should have favored my son. I don't know what they're doing. Max ended up, I believe, finishing third. Carlos was in second. Uh, Max was in third. But then again, it's Monaco. It's very hard to kind of flip that racing strategy when it's, again, on Monaco and you're not, I guess, the only could thing would pit at the same time, but then Carlos would have been ahead. And then, barring a Ferrari mistake, where they don't usually That's make the strategy. Happened. 
they don't usually make the strategic mistakes with uh, Carlos. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, kind of the example I have to go back to is just I don't like him too much, but it's Lewis Hamilton. Where yeah. it's like Lewis was never really complaining. Like Valtteri would win three, four, five races a year. He was never really kind of complaining in that regard, especially with the level of dominance we're seeing this year from Rebel kind of resembles kind of those mid to late 20, uh, 2010s Mercedes teams where it's like let you let your teammate have a couple wins here and there. It's not that no one's going to catch us. Yeah, No one's going to be able to close. Nobody's going to catch you at the end of the day. And even with Sir Lewis Hamilton, it's even elevated because he had the one year where he got beat in equal, equal machinery by Rico Rosberg. Nico Rosberg. Nico, Nico Rosberg, whatever you say. What is um, if anything, Max should be less worried because he's never been beat when he was the number one driver yet. And he knows at the end of the day, I, Sergio Perez is a great driver, but I think everybody knows Max Verstappen is just a better driver. Mm-hmm. With and with them favoring him as the first driver, he has nothing really to worry about. All this does is give you more PR on your second car, which gives you more uh, time for your sponsors and stuff like that. And although I know it's kind of contradictory for me to say, uh, you can't really be mad because there's only one car in the winner's circle. You know, uh, the Wood Brothers, who are a NASCAR team, have never built two cars because. Their owner originally said, I'll do it when they start putting two cars in victory lane. Hmm. At the end of the day, somebody's got to be a winner, and there's going to be 19 other losers because if you're not first, you're last. And I completely understand Max Stafford being mad that he wasn't first, but come on, man. You, were, you started in 15th. You started in 15th. You had a fantastic drive. You won driver of the day. You just be satisfied, go in the media, and just glad hand. That's all, that's all you need to do. Kind of going back to kind of what Margo said, it's just a bad look because – it's only the second race of the year, and you're already kind of just showing this like ungrateful kind of attitude in the media, and just kind of being like, "I'm just not here to be second. Like that's that's kind of why he went. Like he's like, "What's the fastest lap?" And then his team, uh, uh, his engineer is like, "We're not worried about that right now, Max." But he's like, "But I am," because that's just how driven he is to be in first place. What's that, gonna What's gonna happen when he if if he doesn't come in like first for drivers championship, like? I mean, I think that'd be this on a whole new scale. That's. I'm not saying that's going to happen. I, I'm just saying that would be a crazy if. thing to happen. I, sh- I mean, he can't. He's not leaving Red Bull. I mean, yeah. I can't see him. If anything, they Sergio would go somewhere else after that. Even though he's a little bit older in that regard, but it would take a lot. It would take a, f- a decent amount of DNS from Max, where Sergio would finish be f- podium finishing without him there. I think to cause that to happen. I would not want to see that if it did. That'd be a thing. And then also another example from last year, Max is not really being a, a team-oriented guy. I mean, him and Sergio seen well off the track and stuff, but um, Mexico, for an example, where he refused to let um, – or he was, I think it was either – I think it was Brazil, actually, where Max kind of re- refused to kind of let Sergio pass, where it, Max had already wrapped up everything. It wasn't a benefit to him. He just came in fourth. And then it came back to him kind of blaming Sergio for intentionally, quote-unquote, crashing – during qualifying of the Monaco Grand Prix back in 2022, which call it what you want, but it's just a lot. <laughs> Formula One's just a lot of drama in that regard, and yeah. especially with the team that's just this consistent. It's really the only thing that can kind of break a team like that. And that's the great thing about motorsports is they 
no matter what happens, will produce drama because you're always playing the same people over and over again. You don't have to wait half a month to half a month to watch to watch the Celtics and the Lakers play three times a year. You get to see these guys compete every single week out when there's a race day, and that's why a lot of people like love Formula One and other motorsports because it produces this drama. And with Max Verstappen, he's always been driven to be the best and he believes he's going to be the best no matter what he's doing and as long as he's at Red Bull he knows he wants to be number one as he is the number one driver not only with his number but inside the team's rankings and um, like you said what's going to happen if Max Verstappen doesn't finish first the car is so good Sergio Perez is probably going to win every other race that Max Verstappen doesn't let's just be honest with Mm -hmm. ourselves here I mean, yeah, George Russell's coming out saying Rebels. You wouldn't be surprised if Rebel wins every race. Yeah. Which, going off that point with you, just – Yeah, it just seems ungrateful. Yeah. It's just – it's especially being at the second race of the year, it's not like you're coming down to the wire where it's both like kind of like Abu Dhabi 2021 where if, if him and Checo were level on points, I could understand that maybe a little more, but not right here. Not right here. And before we continue to go with this, I, th- I think it is important to say me and Greg's, I'm guessing you two either, have never – driven a Formula One car and been a part of this, t- of this team drama. I don't know how you could assume that. I've never driven a Formula One car. <laughs> I say, I, none of us has ever been in Max's shoes before, but from an outsider looking in, it does seem just a little bit ungrateful. It's kind of like any sport, though. I mean, like, any team sport that, like, almost like, if you take over, if you try to be the best and, like, just, like, let's say playing football and just kind of keep it to yourself or basketball and keep it to yourself just you're not going to help out anybody like people know if you're the best at basketball per se like they know that but Mm -hmm. like if you got to kind of help out your teammates with that true but then like kind of going off like what you said that's what makes f1 so interesting because it's a team sport with the individual aspect of it where no other really sports kind of just for that regard where it's two people kind of working together for a team where both you doing well benefits the team as a whole, but then again, you want to be in first at the end of the day. Correct, and that's part of what makes Formula One so interesting. And it's also what makes professional wrestling so interesting. <laughs> as you With, can see, we do have the sign up for WDEGL Mania. If you want to listen to that, it'll be this Wednesday at nine o'clock to ten o'clock, or wherever you get your podcast. That's with Noah, Daniel, and Logan. That is, and Alex will probably be on the show too. That is, <laughs> I'm gonna tune in. That's a crazy dynamic awesome. with that I, one. I made a logo for it, so you know it's gonna be good. Yeah, but then with uh, also coming in with Christian Horner kind of insisting that there's a very mature driver lineup and they won't compromise Red Bull's success. How much can we re- kind of just how can how much do we can we trust that statement from him? Because I think Australia is gonna be a great test of if Red if Sergio gets out to a lead and it's Max in second, what are the team orders gonna be? I think that could define the entire season in that regard. It'll 100% be Max goes first. I think so, too. But then will we get to the scenario like kind of what we saw in Drive to Survive where Carlos kind of took over, and he's like, no. And Silverstone, he's like, I'm going to do what I think is best for me and just kind of ignored it. That's where they kind of asked Leclerc, like, is it, are you able to ever like decline team orders? And then he's like, no, you can't. But then Carlos is like doing it on the radio. Which is an interesting regard. I mean, Max would definitely... If it was the other way around where they're like, Max, let Checo pass. 
I don't think that would happen. He would totally ignore it. But he then would with just keep driving. But then with Checo now, I mean, this is the best shot to ever win one. Now, I mean, they're level, almost level on points. So, do you listen to that call and be the team player? Get your get your contracts kind of like Valtteri Bottas was getting, or do you just be like, no, I'm just going to race my race. I don't know why they're saying that I should give him first. But I, I wish it would happen that way. That'd be fun to watch, but I don't think it is. That'd be great to watch. Honestly. It should just be the the more assertive driver wins. No team. Just do what you want to do. Yes, take away the radios for telling like strategy. Yes, just tell them when to come into the pits. That would be awesome. Would be cool indeed. But that is going to do it for our talk on the Red Bull Dynama. When we come back, we're talking about McLaren. What is going on over there at the McLaren team base and the drivers? We're going to let you know what we think and more. Coming up next on the next, next, next segment of Smooth Operators here on Weagle 91.1 FM. And welcome back into Smooth Operators. For this next segment, some of you might cry as we talking about McLaren's misery. Yes, the McLaren misery. They are still without any points in the drivers and constructor standings so far. They're sitting in dead last along with Apatari. Both Lando Norris and Oscar Piastri have failed to score points yet. Oscar Piastri being the only driver from McLaren to make it out of Q2 as he made into Q3 last week. But they're starting to make some interesting moves at McLaren now. They uh, leave uh, the technical director of McLaren, James K, left the team. Um, uh, it's kind of a, as a part of a design team overhaul that will lead that will see the leadership of its technical department split between three people. And this just falls the news of just the McLaren just not being a good car to start this season, where they have two really good drivers and they're just kind of overhauling the entire technical aspect of the team so just kind of coming off that like mclaren's supposed to be one of the top few teams top one of the top midfield teams they're supposed to be fighting for fourth and fifth every year with alpine and right now they're going to be hoping they can catch haas i want to see lando norris leave mclaren Mm. because i would love to see what he could actually do not with a car that's just failing him that's just yeah not good at all and i mean yeah that's kind of what we're kind of building off what we said with the red bull thing everyone kind of thinks that he's the next in line to come to red bull once checo's contract is up now because he is again checo is on the older side and mclaren and they do see lando as someone who can do something i mean he's got i think two podiums already i mean he finished second to daniel ricardo in imola and a couple years ago and then he finished third last year in um it was his, Amelia Romagna Grand Prix. It was like his wasn't it his first race in Formula One that he was on the podium too. It was either he was on podium or he was he qualified. He has six podiums, three. so I was wrong with that. He has six podiums in uh, eighty four races. So, and his highest ever race finish, he's finished uh, second once. So that was kind of what it was, was when McLaren's won two. But yeah, I mean, this is kind of the. I mean, he's the next kind of just rising star in Formula 1. It's someone who's very marketable. It's someone who can uh, just draws a lot of attention to the sport since he does all these other things. He does the uh, the video game stuff. He has the uh, DJing. DJ he's a golfer. He just does, all, just does all these like other things where I think he could walk into I'd assume most likely Red Bull or if Lewis somehow leaves in the next two, three, four years 
into Mercedes. I feel like he's going to be on one of those mainstay teams in F1 because I don't think I could see him going to Ferrari. He just went golfing with Lewis Hamilton. Mm, I saw that, yeah. Apparently he was just like at the driving range and then Lewis appeared and was like, do you want to play with us? And he just joined him. But with McLaren, I mean, they're figuring out what the right the um the things to do are right now. I mean, they're having they're gonna have to have a full um kind of chassis upgrade very very soon. We're gonna see them upgrade, I think, before more than probably any other teams. I imagine I imagine we'll see them have a different car after that three week stretch from Australia to Miami. I I I'm at, or no Australia to Azerbaijan. So I think they definitely will. They'll at least definitely bring in a new upgrade package, and it may be more under the hood stuff. But y'all keep talking about Lando Norris. Oscar Piastri can I mean, people, drive a race car. People were fighting over him. He, yeah, he's an excellent race car driver that's kind of new to the sport. You know, if, honestly, he would have went somewhere like Alpine. He could he could be real close to cracking open the top three right I now. I mean, he was an Alpine. He which, was. But yeah, you Which kind of goes off that. I mean, they had to pay Daniel Ricciardo, which comes out of the budget cap. I think it was around $18 million. So... That probably helps. That probably hinders their development a little bit. But then, you you spent all this money on drivers this past off season, where Oscar Piastri was just talked about over and over again during this whole battle as he's the next big thing in Formula One, and now like you're not giving him a car to kind of show what he's got to other teams, especially now that if he gets upset, I mean he's been known to not really have an allegiance to a certain team because Alpine just kind of paid his way through everything, but now. I mean, he's probably got to be mad that he's not doing so because Alpine's already scored points. I think Alpine in the constructor standings right now, they're in fifth right now. And you're getting passed by Aston Martin now, so it's going to be even harder now to finish in that top four, five, six spot. Daniel Ricciardo's just relaxing right now. I mean, he took his $18 million or whatever it was, and he's honestly probably enjoying himself more than if he were yeah, he's gonna win driving a, this car. And he's going to win a constructor's championship most likely this year with that. But just with the McLaren, just they just need to make upgrades soon, sooner rather than later. I think because you just don't want to get yourself into such like a a deep hole that it's just impossible to come back to. Where now it looks like more likely it's going to be a battle between fifth and sixth between Alpine and um, McLaren after the success of the uh, Aston Martin through the first two races. Yeah, I mean honestly, at this point, you need something to go right. I mean, I you were bringing up the money and stuff. I mean, you almost have to go find one of their last sponsors and go, hey, please, please, we know you have money for advertising because you can't advertise anywhere else. Please. But the fact that, they, no, it's like with the budget cap, though. So that's the thing that oh, they paid. Right, right. When I they forgot pay, about that. When they paid Ricardo, that came out of their budget cap. So that's $18 million they can't spend on car development. Uh, they can't spend it on, like, staff upgrades, that type of stuff. So they have to keep it under now. You don't want to see another Red Bull situation like kind of where that was with catering. Exactly. I'll say you can't spend money on catering either. Which is insane. I don't know how either of them eat. You know, Lewis Hamilton's vegan. Do y'all know that? Do, do, do y'all know how either of them eat? Or one of them likes to have a special diet? Um, I don't think Lando Norris likes chocolate. Because That's cr- No, no, I don't care. He's a, he's instantly a bad driver. He took, I don't care. He had the chef take out the chocolate from the croissant and drive to survive. What? That's actually so sad. The chef literally, like, he offered him a croissant and he's like, oh but it has chocolate and he's like oh never mind and then he took the chocolate out of it he better not be if if he's like allergic then that's the issue then but that's even even if he's allergic man chocolate is good all right this is why mclaren's failing 
They, they, they're not afraid to take their chocolate and make something good with it. But who really – I mean, Zach Brown's got to be feeling an enormous amount of pressure, especially after firing the guy who gave you your only race win in the last 10 years and then now getting close to the same performance so far through these other cars that you were getting from them last year. And then you lose to Alpine out in the um, uh, driver's uh, battle, uh, the constructor's battle, and then – Kind of looking like Alpine made the better move right now, keeping all this money, not signing Piastri, getting Pierre Gasly, and helping it make more car development. Because now they need to get some points in Australia pretty badly if they're going to hope to keep a lot of that top staff around from being let go. Like it was said before, McLaren needs something to go right, but they also need something to go wrong with every other car Mm. at some point. I mean, that's how they got their only podium last year where Charles, uh, Charles spun out in the gravel. Was there was that because he was in third and then Lando came up and got it, but it's just the way it's driving right now. They need a lot to get right. What you're what you're saying, especially with Australia, because I don't think they're going to have the upgrades for Australia by by then. Probably going to be in Baku, maybe Miami. I imagine they might put something on there for Miami with the redone track. I hope. But I also think that Zach Brown does know Australia, and I know they've kind of revamped it in recent years. This is our first Australia race in two years, right? We had one last year. We had one last year? Yeah. Remember Max ca- uh, car caught fire? That's right. That is right. But wow, really? That yeah. was last year? Dang. I'm getting old. Um, It's Daniel Ricciardo's first race that he's going to with Red Bull as their like reserve driver this year. He's probably already there, honestly. Yeah, that's true. I'm, I'm just sad because I wanted to see him in Las Vegas because he was talking about it so much with the racing i want to see either i really actually just want to see like sergio like get sick or injured and have danny step in or something like happen in the way that he couldn't race to see what daniel ricardo could do yeah and just with i mean oscar's piastri is going to be a star everyone's talking about that so so much where but then again lando's the number one guy where Oscar was talking about in Drive to Survive, like, I want to go where I can win races. I want to go what's best fit for me. And right now, seeing the state of McLaren right now, I'm, he, I can't imagine he's getting that feel for it right now. Especially with, I don't think he signed a super long deal with McLaren as well. Not compared to what Lando signed with McLaren, what Charles signed with the Ferrari, that type of stuff. It's probably good for him. I feel yeah. like he shouldn't, he shouldn't sign a long contract with them at this point. Yeah, he's learned from Lando, who I think can maybe get away, get his way out of his contract. I'm hoping. I don't know, but yeah, that's. But you got you got to hand it to Piastri though. He has done a good job of at least showing he can do something in the car. Getting that Q3 this past week in Jeddah. I mean, I've also been kind of things along the same lines. I've been very high on Nick DeFries, and he's done absolutely nothing. And I'm like, how in the how in the world can a guy who scored points in a Williams last year not even get a into Q3 or do anything with an Alphatari yet, which I was like, he scored points in his F1 debut in a Williams. Nicholas Latifi's Williams. I think that car is not helping him at all, that Alphatari car. I just think there's such a big discrepancy between the top and the bottom this year. It's kind of crazy because you can see the difference when you see these, when you see the McLaren compared to like the Aston Martin, the Ferrari, the Mercedes, not even just the Red Bull. It's just once that, that five gap, everyone up from five above to everyone below six and down, you can just see just a dramatic drop-off in performance. And that's kind of how it's been in years past, but it's just not been this, like, discrepant yet, especially with the top teams. 87 points for Red Bull, 38 for uh, Aston Martin, 38 Mercedes, 
26 Ferrari, and then it goes 8 Alpine, 4 Alfa Romeo, 1 Haas, 1 Williams. Wait, that's got to be bad if you're a McLaren fan with Williams scoring points before you. I mean, there's even a gap, like, in the – like, between the 1 and the 2 and the 3 and the 4 and the rest of them. I thought like there's a gap between the Red Bull and the uh, money team and the rest of the grid. Like, there's, there's big gaps in between pretty much everybody. Uh, McLaren, what are they going to do? It's Only, a really sad day. It is a sad day for the McLaren fan over there. Yeah. Margo, have you picked your team yet? I'm still deciding. I need to – I'm watching the latest season of Drive to Survive right now, and so I want to make sure no one does anything super controversial or something that, like, will make me mad before I pick. But right now – I'm big on Carlos Sainz. Okay. Yes, come to Ferrari. <laughs> well, Feel the pain. I, I might want to wait until further into this season before settling on them because <laughs> sure. I'm not one You'll, to – Carlos Sainz is one that you can never hate. Yeah. That's true. I did. I was going to try and go for Logan Sargent, but I don't know if I could do that this year because at least Carlos Sainz is, like, what, top seven? What, what did he finish last weekend? Last weekend he finished, uh, I believe, fourth. Fifth? Fourth, okay. Or no, he finished in uh, sixth. Sorry, no, because it went uh, Aston, Mercedes, and then Carlos. But the, yeah, after no. you're going to get a bad look at Mer- uh, McLaren in that last season, though. So. He was Carlos Sainz was really good when he was with uh, Lando Norris. Those were the my favorite teammates. I was going to say what a duo. They it were. it honestly was a very fun. Like, Lando's just got that personality where he can like kind of click with anyone. I think, and he laughs at anything. So no matter what driver he's with. If they make him laugh, like, he's, like, on the floor crying laughing. Yeah, I think that, like we were talking about earlier, Lando and Max together, I think that would be such a weird dynamic. I don't see them. But they're friends, which is, like, I mean, I know they're all friends, but, like, those two have been seen together, like, a lot. Yeah. I remember when Lando last year was posted a picture after Max. I think he won the French Grand Prix. He goes, just two – 28 race wins share between these two, which is funny because Lando's never won a race. It's like right in front of his private jet, too. In front of Max's jet. What's going to happen with McLaren? Only time will tell. But that is going to do it for our segment on McLaren. When we come back, a return of a very popular segment. What is that segment going to be? you got to tune into the last segment of the show to find out. So do not go anywhere. You're listening to Smooth Operators on Weagle 91.1 FM. And welcome back into Smooth Operators. We're going to have our last little segment here, which I think is a fan favorite. Have we decided on what we're actually going to call this? Because I know on the Twitter graphic I called it Girl the Grid, I think, or Grill the Grid. I think we're going to do Grill the Social Media for this one. Grill the Social Media. Grill the Branding a little bit. So what we're going to do is kind of like what we did with uh, Ben's girlfriend Liz a couple weeks uh, back where she rated the drivers. Margot is going to do that for us today, but instead of that, she's going to rate each driver's personal branding, mainly their social media. So I'm very interested to see with this. We're all going to chime in a little bit, kind of give our opinions on it. But Margot, if you want to take it away, go for it. Okay, well, I guess I'll start at the bottom. Um, I, it's kind of a personal bias, I think, but Pierre Gasly mm. like, makes me want to pull my eyes out. He, his, his whole social media is the same selfie over and over again, just in different places. And the same face. Like, it drives me crazy. And then 
for Oscar Piastri, I know that he's relatively new to the grid, but I just think that he really can step it up. He does have one of the least amount of followers. Well, one thing about Pierre, though, is like he has a really high social media presence, though, which is kind of funny. Because he's like he was always known to like like the so um every every driver's kind of pictures very early on. If you guys can remember what that last year where liked by Oscar like by Pierre Gasly was like a thing trending. But yeah, I could see that honestly. Where yeah, it is really just the same kind of just selfie thing of him. I think also his like just the face he makes in every picture is what bothers me the most. I know when like I was first starting to watch Jordan and I would talk about like how much we just both couldn't stand him. <laughs> He just bothers me. I don't know what it is. He just really bothers me. But he can win races, and that's what matters. Mm-hmm. He actually can. Uh, he hasn't won a race yet. Yeah, he did. Oh, he did win. Yeah, what he did. About? Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. Forgot about that. My other in the bottom three is Lance Stroll. This also might yep, be personal okay. bias. Nope, I see that. But <laughs> can't stand him either. I don't. I don't know what it is, but. No, I, I can see that. I think we all can under, understand that. I haven't talked to anybody who actually likes him, so if you do. He kind of reminds me of, like, a he's given, like, middle school kid going through puberty vibes. Mm. Hey, that's the number one driver of Aston Martin you're talking about. I, I just, like... Broken wrist. Yeah, broken wrist. And still finished in the points, which is actually kind of crazy. That, that Good for him, but... Yeah. yeah. I understand that. Sure, that's about it. Sure, he's great, but... <laughs> Can't stand him. Cannot stand him. And then in the middle, I have Checo in the middle. I think mm. that he has a strong social media presence, but I like it could be better. I think also because he's older, like he's not gonna be as savvy with it as people like Lando or George Russell or stuff like that. I also think Charles Leclerc is mm. a, a strong middle ground. Have you seen his TikToks? I'm not on TikTok, so I'm sure that he has a great TikTok, but I just don't Top know tier it. TikTok. Okay. That move that can move him up a little. I do have him kind of on the upper end of the middle ground. And then um, Fernando Alonso on Twitter cracks me up. Oh, he's so funny he, on Twitter. Like, especially for his age, he is one of the older drivers, so I think that the fact that he's with it so much is – Speaks a lot to his personal branding. Like he, that selfie that he sent to George Russell wasn't like that was real, right? Yes, that was real. I was gonna say because I couldn't tell exactly if that was real or if someone like photoshopped it, but I was like, if that's real, that's well done by him. Not no. only is it real, it was retweet quote retweeted by the smooth operators Twitter saying, if we get ten new followers, I will recreate that photo. So if you do feel so inclined, you can follow that account if you want, at SMOP Podcast on Twitter. Sorry I had to plug Twitter in between this. It just came up and it was too perfect. That I'm honestly, sorry. That's kind of because Noah tweeted that. I'm like, what? Did we just tweet from the account? <laughs> no, I think that that picture, like, just I know that I knew people who don't even watch F1 that's all and were like, what? No, honestly, I What's thought it was kind of like what Jordan was thinking. Like, I was like, I had to take a second. I'm like, is this real? Because I didn't see it originally on his Twitter. I'm like, did he actually do this to George? And he actually did. I don't know. Okay, the, moving on to my top four. I I do have, again, personal bias. I, Carlos Sainz. I think that he does a really good job on his Instagram. And he also has a good TikTok. Okay, so maybe I'm getting TikTok to watch Instagram. But, like, him in the ice bath with the rubber ducky, that's so funny. Like... <laughs> I think I like it when they have a lot of 
off track content. I think that you're like when they're more personal. Yeah. More personal when they're more engaged, um, like with their, I guess, normal life. I think I like that Carlos Sainz has picture with his family. Like, I think that that from his sister's wedding. Yeah. that, That makes him so much more personable and so much easier to like relate to and like want to follow because when your personal branding is strong like that, like that's why people want to follow you. And then after him, I have, or I guess above him in three, I have Lando. I think Lando's just so young and I, that he just gets it. And he also has the off track content that everybody loves. And he's just also so funny that like, you can't help but love. He's kind of like a dorky personality. Which makes it better. I remember he would like do like I think he made like the Lego McLaren on like his Twitch, which is pretty funny. I almost bought that in uh, at the Lego store in Disney. I didn't. It was a little too expensive. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was pretty. It was a decent sum of money. Okay, and then um, at my number two, I have Lewis Hamilton. He just he kills it. Like he's the most followed F one driver. I think um, he does a good job with the on track content and the off track content. And obviously he has like. Doesn't he model for somebody? Probably every, Dior. It's a watch. Isn't, uh, it? isn't he going to do Vogue, too? I'm pretty yeah. sure. I thought he does a watch. They all do watch. Oh, they all do watch. They well, all do I watches. mean, I just know Lewis is big in the watch community. I don't know that much about his modeling contracts, but on and his... And Valentino. Valentino, yeah. I just knew that... Vanity Fair. Yeah. All these ones. Yeah, like, just such big names, things of um, him at the beach, like, just does a great job showing what his life is off of off of the track. And I think that that's so important when you're an athlete, a driver in any sport, because everyone can watch you on the racetrack or on the field. But when you give them a glimpse into like what your life is outside of what we can watch on the TV. He also has a TikTok for, or a Instagram for his dog. How have you kn- no, the Roscoe. Roscoe's the amazing. We talk about Roscoe a lot on this show. Roscoe's that- number one. Just on like any list, mm-hmm. no matter I what. I think Roscoe was like what sold me when they were trying to convince me to watch Drive to Survive. They were like, "Hold on, the let me show you the carry- dog account." Yeah, the video of him carrying, or Angela carrying him down the stairs. <laughs> I was so sad that she's leaving. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't. Like she's yeah, an icon. Didn't expect that. All right, so you had so you have two more. Who's two and one? Oh well, no, Lewis Hamilton is two. Okay. And top two, not two, is George Russell. Russell, he is Ooh, latte boy. He is an influencer, and I just, like, he really does a good job with it, sharing everything, like, his pictures, his feed is cohesive. I think that that's why I like his account so much, because... He just seems like a kid, honestly, just, like, with some of his, like, posts I can see that. No, I like that. And, like, his banter with Fernando, like, after the whole mishap on the race on Saturday with back and forth between the races, like, or the podium position that way he did such a good job of like using that to like build up his brand but also like not be a jerk about it so i just like i think that's also why hot i like hot take he is my least favorite driver on the grid Ooh. Ooh, i don't know why he just bothers me he kind of seems like i can get, i can i, I can kind of like see daddy's you... boy and it just like when he says cranky and stuff like that. Uh, he just, he's almost too much of an influencer to I me. see that. I kind of agree with that list for the most part, just looking back at it and stuff. Like, uh, yeah, I can kind of see, like, the drivers who, like, have people run it. Like, I could see, like, the, the 
cut graphics that they have for like i kind of you're talking about like checo and stuff i could like see that yeah like there a lot of them do a really good job but just when all you're posting is pictures of your car like you can do a google search and find 10 pictures of the car in 10 seconds like i your instagram especially like this where people want to know you there's only 20 of you such an opportunity to have a strong personal brand and that's why i think like lewis hamilton and george russell do such a good job because they build on like away from the race like mercedes does do a good job i think with that especially with valtteri as well he still has a good one Mm -hmm. with that i have a picture of me in a rick flair costume how is that for my personal brand (laughs) i think that that is probably your brand image. I think that you Thank should you. just change all your profile. You, pictures. He was on the jumbotron. You're in here with that. With that, I was outfit on. I was on Twitter. I was I was trending. <laughs> Hashtag trend. I was not actually trending. But yeah, well, that is going to do it for our show today. We want to thank Jordan and Margot coming on the show. Ben, we're that Ben again, but he'll be back next week as we're going to be talking about the Australian Grand Prix next week. But until next time, if you miss any of today's show, you can find it on your favorite podcast platform wherever you get your podcast. If you do feel so inclined, check out the Twitter at SMOP Podcast if you feel so inclined as well. But until next time, for Noah Phillips, I'm Grace Blank Rick. This has been Smooth Operators on Weagle 91.1 FM. Have a great weekend, everybody, and War Eagle. That's all we have today for Smooth Operators, Weagle's exclusive F1 show. In case you missed some of the show or just want to relive all your favorite parts, check us out on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. Till next time, this has been the smoothest operators of Weagle 91.1 FM.